from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. As the world struggles with what's real and what's not, our frame of reference is becoming harder and harder to shape. Robert Cardillo, on February 7th, he retired as the director of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, but not before pointing out that the U.S. intelligence community specifically and the U.S. more generally have some serious challenges on the horizon. Coincident with and consistent with uh, the DNI Coates' testimony of last week before the Senate, uh, Russia's revitalization has raised the risk to this country and to our Western ideals. That's a fact. And Russia is just one of those threats. Hear about the others and his solutions coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On January 29, 2019, Robert Cardillo appeared before the Senate Intelligence Committee at a worldwide threat assessment hearing for the final time. And his presence was noted by the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coates. Mr. Chairman, if I could just... uh add something here. Robert Cardillo uh, is finishing up a 30-plus year uh, career of working with the intelligence community. He's just one of our crown jewels, and we hate to see him um, moving on to maybe greener pastures uh, in easier times, but um, uh, he's just been a terrific uh, partner uh, with this team, uh, and I just want to recognize his contributions. It's just been exceptional, and he won the Best Dressed uh, of Any of Us on the Panel Award uh, this morning. He does that every time. I just want you to know that, Dan. Six days after the hearing, we met with him at the sprawling campus of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency just outside of Washington for our final interview with him as a national intelligence official. As we sit here, J.J., it's 26 hours. Uh, Two o'clock on 7 Feb, I will pass the director position to Admiral Robert Sharp. He did that, but not before dropping some insightful thought-provoking knowledge, razor-sharp as usual in its focus, but as it so often is, candid to the point that it can be a bit frightening. As the world struggles with what's real and what's not, our frame of reference is becoming harder and harder to shape. That was his response to this question. As you leave, what is your biggest concern about the intelligence community, the work that NGA does, and the world as a whole? And what he was saying very simply was, people are struggling to figure out what's real and what's fake. But furthermore, he said, this trouble the world is having determining what's real is making the intelligence community's job a lot harder. We exist 
to provide confidence in situations that don't have that confidence. We're filling a gap in understanding. We do that by framing those situations with knowns and unknowns. And when you look at what the intelligence community's job really is at the end of the day, and that is to provide actionable information that they can pass on to policymakers, it's a really difficult situation for them to be in. Let's face it, even when we have a frame, our job is really hard. Now, I've had the privilege of serving for 35 years. In the early days, there was no question about my frame, where the image came from, who handled it, how it was protected. Today, when image or pixel or video manipulation is becoming more and more available, I have to, we have to reset confidence levels to ensure that the frame is understood and credible because our real value is what goes on top of the frame. That's that assessment, that's that anticipation, that is that fundamental look uh, into the future, which is how we add value at their point of decision. On the off chance you weren't able to follow the logic there, plainly and simply put, the intelligence community is trusted to essentially provide analysis of what's going on around the world. For geospatial intelligence purposes, it's usually images or that kind of material. What Cardillo was simply saying, if people doubt the source of the images, where they got them, then they may not believe their analysis. This very issue came up at that January 29th hearing before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Chairman Richard Burr pointed it out. When this nation was attacked on September the 11th, counterterrorism rightly became our nation's security focus. And the intelligence community responded by shifting resources and attention. We learned the ways of our new enemy, and we learned how to defeat it. We're now living in yet another new age, a time characterized by hybrid warfare, weaponized disinformation, all occurring within the context of a world producing more data than mankind has ever seen. Tomorrow, it's going to be deep fakes, artificial intelligence, a 5G-enabled Internet of Things with billions of Internet connections on consumer devices. What I hope to get out of this morning is a sense of how well-prepared the intelligence community is to take on this new generation of technologically advanced security threats. Countering these threats requires making information available to those who can act, and doing so with speed and agility. As we all know, many of the things we do today involve some aspect of technology. It makes our lives a lot easier. But for Cardillo, there's something else to consider. There's a flip side to that. Just as we found in digital communications that, yeah, it's good that uh, you and I can Skype together or FaceTime together, um, those connections also enable if somebody seeks some adversarial outcome, okay, that could be a commercial outcome or it could be a social outcome or it could be a state-on-state outcome, my dependence on those pixels being transferred securely or assuredly also presents a risk. Somebody could play with it. So that's the technology piece, and um, we were very pleased to host General Nakasona here on Monday this week. Um, uh, I've often talked about we in the geospatial intelligence profession need to learn the lessons. 
both good and bad, that our friends in the SIGINT intelligence business, because they went through this 20 years ago, this being this this dual-edged sword of connectivity and risk. So that's the technology piece. Um, there is a, um, a human dynamic here. This is society. This is culture. This is the evolution of the human condition. I'm getting a little out of my lane, but I, I need to frame it that way because we have to operate. I have to communicate to you and transition some sort of insight. Well, that, again, is back to that frame. So, and again, I've, I've talked, we've talked about this before. I just worry that when there is stress in that human condition about truth, accuracy, verifiability, all of that then could undermine or, or, or makes harder the transfer of the confidence that I want you to have. You see what I mean? The, the whole baseline is okay. a little shaky right now. Yeah. And my business is, is to take the shake out. <laughs> right. Let's get right to it. Okay. Russia's been trying to do this for decades. Um, Forever. Yes, sir. They, they have, to my understanding, have been the leading antagonist when it comes to trying to throw doubt into the picture. And seemingly since the 2016 presidential election and probably well before that, um, other actors have read the blueprint mm -hmm. and have gone and gotten engaged in this. Am I, am I correct in this or am I off base with that? You're correct, but you're not going far enough. Um, yes, the Russians. Yes, the Soviets. But I'm unaware of a period of time in, I'll call it civilization, that it hasn't occurred, J.J. Um, pamphleteers during our independence would write scurrilous. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if we had libel laws in those days, but libelous, you know, attacks on one another. And they would do them under these anonymous names. And the, and. And what was the purpose of that? That purpose was to undermine somebody else's position or um, initiative or uh, program, whatever it was. Uh, you know, French Revolution went through this. I mean, there's the, the, humans have always had this challenge about what's real. My point is, is that the 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 tremendous advantage of our connected world. And I, I believe that to be true, also has enabled the amplification of those historic column norms. People will try to deceive one another. People will try to manipulate views in order to gain an advantage. So right, so the so the Russians have gotten better at doing this given that potential. Others have learned from it. And it goes back to my fundamental concern that, that this profession's core duty becomes harder because of that additional vibration, the additional shakes that exist in our, in our connected world. Yeah, and that's something that clearly, long after you're gone from this position, people are going to have to wrestle with. Um, one of the things that I know that you've been instrumental in, in, in during your tenure here is preparing the, the agency and the IC as a whole to wrestle with some of these things and technology and the ideas and 
pushing the, the envelope and, and moving the needle in the process has been something in the years that I've known you has always been on your uh, front burner. Uh, I saw recently uh, a program where you were on 60 Minutes talking about these teeny loaf of bread sized satellites mm-hmm. that are, I think, a part of that plan to help make the, the, the U.S. better at what it needs to do. Uh, and perhaps it can help in this real versus fake process, too. But tell us a little bit about that, uh, the concept and the idea, what you think that that essentially at the end of the day will do for the IC. Yeah, I'm happy to, J.J. And, and let me set a larger frame, and I'll get back to the particular contribution that I see from companies like Planet. So strong belief that in a messy world, in a world that might be even messier because of some of the actors and behaviors that we've discussed, I strongly believe that democratic values, lowercase d, uh, liberal values, uh, Western um, uh, beliefs thrive in the light. We're good with exposure. We're good with transparency. We're good with more info. I strongly believe that nefarious actors or totalitarian views or dictatorial approaches don't like the light. Light's not good. Transparency is not what they seek. So let's get back to Planet. Planet's a commercial company, of which NGA has had some contractual experience with, but a commercial company uh, making its way has this pretty singular value proposition. They want to show the planet every day. To me, that's light, right? So that's transparency. How people want to use that understanding of seeing the planet every day, myriad use cases, agricultural, environmental, business, planning, infrastructure. I like to know what's going on on the planet because it's my job. So um, that's why that's what excites me about companies like Planet because it's more light, it's more transparency, and I think our way of life is advantaged by that. Give us a little operational idea of what these little satellites can do. You know, they're, they're, they're real satellites. I mean, satellites orbit the planet, and they do that. Um, but you're right, they're, they are smaller than uh, anything that had been used before in this way. But I guess what it, I guess the point is, it's it's not about the size of the satellite. It's it's about the breadth of your perspective. And so, and I won't get the number right uh, about how many they have up today. Planet would know, but you know, more than a hundred. I think it's approaching two hundred as we speak. No one of those satellites is important. And what's important is the net that it provides. So to me. The kind of use cases we have here at NGA is I can have a broad-based, temporally tagged understanding of the planet. Now, we're proud of the work we've done in the Arctic and the Antarctic, okay, with more intelligence-related activities in the north because of the resource issues and the proximity to countries like Russia, et cetera, certainly less intelligence-based issues in the south. But why we're, why we're proud of both of those efforts is because we've contributed to transparency. Um, 
I, I will not uh, touch a question about why that ice is melting, but I can show you that it is. And hydrologists and environmental scientists and, and future planners can then create better models which could anticipate outcomes of, of said activity. So again, back to planet. Planet for me becomes the kind of access to the planet. Uh, planet the company provides the kind of access to the planet Earth in a way that gives us how about a strengthened frame? Remember earlier I talked about that yes. shaky frame? Yes. You give me repeatable daily views I can I can strengthen the frame. Yeah. And if I can strengthen the frame, I can do my job better. Again, other people can do other things with it for their own uh, outcomes, but that's what I guess that's the main value I get from it. And in large part, you can eliminate that the the doubt and to some degree, minimize, minimize. Mitigate. Eliminate okay. is a, is a pretty high bar. Big word. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Cardillo, the now former director of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And when we come back, Russia, and he will have something very important to say. Uh, Russia's revitalization has raised the risk to this country and to our Western ideals. That's a fact. That's coming up when we continue on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. This is the Target USA Moment, Episode 16, The Drone Killing of Anwar El-Awlaki, with retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel T. Mark McCurley, who commanded the mission. That We got the green light that morning to conduct the operation, and uh, the only time that unit called us is when they needed something. And knowing what was at stake when that call came, I knew what it was going to be. What went through your mind? How fast can I get him out of the hangar and off the ground? McCurley had a very unique experience. He's written a book about it called Hunter Killer. And he shared with us exactly what happened in another situation very similar to Olaki's. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, one of the the stories in Hunter Killer uh, of a facilitator that we had to take out. And the, the ultimate goal of the operation was to eliminate him to enable us to capture more than a dozen operatives he had around the world uh, getting ready to do a coordinated terror strike. Uh, and we couldn't risk him warning them off as we started rolling up these teams. Uh, in the last couple of seconds, uh, because of how low I had to get uh, because of weather uh, to make the shot happen, he heard the missile come in and he looked right at me through the camera of the airplane. Uh, and so I basically, even though it bridged 8,000 miles, I looked him in the eye as he died. This has been a Target USA Moment, Episode 16. Download it. Relive it. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. As we continue our conversation with Robert Cardillo, who's now retired as director of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, He's talked with us about the problem that we as a world are having, and that is figuring out what's real and what's not. One of the principal protagonists behind this problem is Russia and all of the disinformation that Russia puts out. I asked him specifically about the Russia problem. I wonder if you could just give us a broader sense of what we're, the, the U.S. is facing, the West is facing when it comes to what Russia is trying to do based on what you know and what you've seen. Um, 
coincident with and consistent with uh, the DNI Coates' testimony of last week before the Senate, uh, Russia's revitalization has raised the risk to this country and to our Western ideals. That's a fact. Um, we, uh, like many counterparts within the intelligence community, had uh, – so, again, my career. When I was welcomed in 1983, we had no higher priority, none, nothing even close to the Soviet Union. It was that and then everything else. When the wall came down, when the Soviet Union ended, uh, we took off some of our effort against that problem set. Um, the re-rise, revitalization, resurgence of that Russian entity has caused a reallocation of our efforts. So it is back up there. It's not alone these days. Um, as the DNI said in his testimony and in his uh, uh, documented threat assessment, uh, we have peer competition now. Um, and Russia and China uh, uh, are the exam are the are the two countries now that are seeking uh, to rival uh, the United States uh, it, in many different facets, you know, militarily, economic, politically. And so uh, I have worked hard uh, during my tenure here at NGA to ensure that we can contribute to the mitigation, not elimination, but the mitigation of those risks and those threats. Um, a t in the same general category, but at a lower tier, we, we, we still have the threats of, of Iran and their, and their nefarious actions in their region, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Yemen. And we have North Korea, uh, which, while I won't touch on the you know, political future and uh, nature of, of potential outcomes, it's my responsibility to track what is. And so we sustain an effort to make sure that we know everything we can know about the capabilities of that country. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of North Korea specifically, um, do you – Based on what you know and what you see, um, is North Korea continuing with its nuclear program? Uh, I'm not going to comment directly because uh, I would be getting into, you know, what do you know? And if I told you what I knew, what, what right. don't you know? Um, let me just go back to what I said, J.J. We, um, I have not changed our level of effort to make sure that we can provide a complete description to those that we serve. So we haven't lessened our effort. You talk about Iran, Syria, North Korea, Russia. Um, you mentioned China a little bit, but Mike Hayden, former CIA director, told me uh, a couple years ago, actually, he said um, Russia's it's a revanchist power. It's, mm -hmm. not a, it's not a resurgent power, but China is something that we have to get right if we get anything right. What are your thoughts on that? I would be very hesitant to disagree with General Hayden, um, and I won't hear because we, we tend to agree. I mean, look, I... Um, I have a, a view that is shared by some about Russia, that um, Russia has, as dangerous as they are and as resurgent as they are, I see them as having long-term limiters, core economy, the demography, health. They've got some real challenges there. 
doesn't mitigate the threat. They are very, uh, they present a great threat. But if you want to talk long term, uh, Russia has some hurdles to overcome. China, um, I'll get to their hurdles, but they, to me, are setting a, I'll say, a stronger foundation for long-term rivalry uh, with the U.S. And it is my belief that that has been predominantly economic-driven. Um, you know, the China government exists to protect and secure the continuation of the Communist Party, and they're one heck of a capitalist country uh, underneath that. And so, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll, quote, I'll, I'll cite Admiral Mullen, but I'm sure it's been done by others. I recall when I w- was working for Chairman Mullen, he talked about economic power as a core aspect of military power, that, that the nation's might uh, needs to be reflective in the GDP and the growth of, of economy as much as it is in ships and planes. I think China knows that, and I think China has focused on that. Um, our friends at DIA have just done a public uh, uh, unveiling of, of the growth of their, of their military progress. I will say, though, that, um, you know, China as, and I know this doesn't work on radio as my hand goes up, but as China has risen economically quite fast and lifted many, many of its citizens out of poverty into the middle class, they're now going to be challenged with a, 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 that, that, yeah, that, that matured economies have. Long-term health care. Um, uh, where do you sustain that growth over time? I mean, I like to think about, look, America had a lot of its growth post-World War II, first in Japan. We got a lot of benefit out of that labor market uh, that helped fuel technologies in 60s and 70s. And quite frankly, as that market matured, quite literally, we turned to China. Mm-hmm. And we were driven by a lot of growth. Where's China's China? You know what I mean? I mean, as China matures and they start to look for other markets, and some people say it's India and some people say it's Vietnam and Indonesia, okay. But they're going to have to figure out how you, one becomes a mature economy and a developed economy, et cetera. And, and look, I mentioned Russia's demographic challenges. China has a couple going because the one-child policy, and I think they will agree with this now, probably went on a little longer than they wanted it to. So they're having an issue with labor pools. But they're also having issues with an aging population and how do you care for them. So I, I, I don't say any of those things to mitigate the fact that those two are, you know, the peer – uh, competition that we're in, uh, but I also think here, here's why. Here's what I think is America's uh, advantage. Um, I do still believe in our people, uh, like I do in the people in this agency. Uh, they're central to the. I think the advantage we provide, and the second piece is partnerships. Uh, I'll get the Churchillian quote wrong, but you know the the, the only thing worse than uh, fighting with allies is fighting without them, right? And, uh, and it doesn't have to be fighting. It can be negotiating. It can be uh, treaty monitoring. It can be you know, maritime domain awareness. America has great partners. And uh, one of the things I'm proud of as, during, as my tenure closes is where I was able to take our partners, very healthy, and make them even stronger because down the road that's who we're going to need uh, in order to ensure our interests in the future. The, the near term. 
for the U.S., the road, it doesn't. It looks pretty bumpy right now because of some things that are going on here at home, mm-hmm. and because of some things that are going on abroad. Is there, in your mind, a, a way to navigate through what you see as the challenges that face the nation? at this point from an intelligence point of view, maintain the edge that the U.S. has and indeed continue to lead uh, as it has globally in, 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 in those respects? So I always have been a glass half full person, so I, will, I am optimistic. Um, you're right. Um, we've got some challenges, bumps in the road, et cetera. I'm sure you'd agree we always do at some level. Um, one could argue about are they bumpier now whatnot. What What gives me hope, J.J., is the fact that when America is cornered, whether we corner ourselves or we have outside help, we get really good. It's something I've thought about this agency. Our This agency is at its best in a crisis. Boy, that call to mission and the demand – there's nothing that rallies Americans like that. The challenge is, is that when you don't have that singular crisis or the rallying cry, we can get a little discordant. We can get a little uh, shaky, right, back to that analogy. But I, I don't worry that we'll rally. I don't worry that we'll come together. I mean, again, I'm not, this is not airy-fairy. Everything will come out fine. We will always have our differences. That's America, too. I mean, we're, 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 we're a compilation of just tons of experiences and perspectives. And I believe that's our strength. And I think we'll find a way through this as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you. This is our last interview as you uh, are uh, in this position. Um, what haven't I asked you about that's important that you'd like to talk about? This comes to mind uh, first. Um, the the public-private, I'm going to say partnership, but let's just say arrangement, okay, I think I think is a conversation that needs to be elevated. Um, it, it was accentuated a few months ago with the decision that Google made uh, about its participation in an um, artificial intelligence project called MAVEN, uh, Project MAVEN in the Pentagon. I'm not calling out Google in particular. I just I just think that reality decision that a private company made, a public company made about participation in government is one. This goes back to what we just said. America's really good at having these debate. Well, needs to be really good about having these debates and discussion. I don't know that we've had it in a healthy way, and so I would. You know, to the extent that people are looking for my uh, advice or counsel, I think we need to find a way to elevate that conversation. Not because I think we'll come to some miraculous, you know, perfect solution, but that I think through those discussions we'll have a better understanding about, you know, government use of technology, our, our, uh, the priority that we still sustain on privacy. Um, where is the balance, you know, between that secure security that we offer you and the privacy that you deserve? And look, I think you know Jim Clapper has said this kind of at the height of the Snowden period that boy, maybe if we'd had this conversation on our own terms ten years ago, rather than on forced terms because of a of a disclosure, we would have been better off. I happen to believe that. I think I think Americans can have a mature, 
healthy conversation about those two things, and I just worry that we're we seem to be skimming over it or trying to slide past it. Final thought you'd like to leave with us. This country is very well served by its intelligence community. We do not get it right all the time, but we are our toughest critics. And uh, as I close a 35-year career, I couldn't be prouder to call myself a member of the U.S. intelligence community. Within that, to also be able to say that I'm a geospatial intelligence officer, that's icing on the cake. This is a historic, proud, well-earned pride uh, tradition. And, uh, and I'm proud to be a small piece of securing the nation um, uh, through the uh, execution of our mission. Uh, it's something I'll carry with me always. Paul Director, thank you. Thank appreciate. Thank you, JJ. Appreciate this opportunity. I've known you for uh, a decade or more, and uh, every opportunity I've had to engage has been enlightening. So, thank you again. Best wishes for whatever it is you're doing, and good luck. Thank you, JJ. Same to you. Thanks. That's it for this episode. Coming up on our next program: whether it's terrorism, anarchist, cyber criminals, nation states, intelligence, or the U.S.'s own counterintelligence drama that's playing out in the Congress. Join us on Target USA for the latest. Thank you for checking in with us. Follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. You can also let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at WTOP.com. And please, don't forget to click the subscribe button. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Laura Ingram, and I'd like to invite you to check out my new show, The Laura Ingram Podcast, exclusively on Podcast One. So join me three days a week as I cover politics, the culture, everything in between, laugh, learn, all at the same time. Uh, we got you locked and loaded, and you'll be ready for the week, ready for the month. And it's very easy. You just subscribe today, download new episodes exclusively at podcastone.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And you know mine's going to be one of your newest. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.